for people planted in peace over profit whose time has come. And I feel like, you know, my job is easy. You have been doing the hard work for so long. And this new generation that's coming in is fighting the hard battles, the really hardest battles right now of all, and leading the charge. So it's really an honor to be here and to um, give all the focus and all the attention that we can bring through a presidential campaign into this amazing movement uh, that we are a part of. And uh, so I, I have to give a special thank you to Steve Welser for all the work he's done to help build Are barely above poverty if you are lucky enough to have 
a job. Household wealth has been slashed uh, nearly 50% compared to before the Wall Street crash. An entire generation of young people are locked into unpayable predatory student loan debt. Wouldn't you say it's about time we cancel the debt? We did it for the bankers. Black lives are in the firing line in the number one incarceration nation across the planet. Immigrants face mass deportation. Wars for oil are blowing back at us with a vengeance. Uh, the climate meltdown threatens civilization as we know it. We're in the midst of the sixth grade extinction. Um, the super rich are richer than ever, and the political establishment is basically their hand being, and they are not, not only are they not making things better, they are actually making things profoundly worse by inflicting austerity on everyday people while they squander trillions of dollars on wars for oil, Wall Street bailouts, and tax favors for the wealthy. So the American people, in no short order, are in revolt. And we're seeing that all around us today. We're seeing that in the enthusiasm for both the Sanders campaign and the Trump campaign. We basically see people who've been thrown under the bus, uh, kind of at different, at different uh, stages of life, with the Sanders supporters being young people thrown under the bus, and the Trump supporters being somewhat more you know, socially conservative, but older folks are being thrown under the bus. But you know, basically we're all being thrown under the bus, and the most that the political system will allow are these dissidents you know, that Trump and Sanders represent. Whereas when you look at polls, what they really show is that the largest block of the electorate has divorced both political parties. Republicans are 21%, uh, Democrats are 29%, and independents and small parties are basically 50% of the electorate. So it's we who are locked out. It's not just independent candidates, it's your average American voter who doesn't have a choice. So we have an enormous wind at our back uh, in this election in our effort to blow open this system and actually bring a voice that is of, by, and for the people. The Green Party is the only political party, the only national level political party that's not poisoned by corporate money. So we actually have the liberty to say what it is that people are thinking, feeling, and what it is that we actually need, and that can, in fact, fix the crises that we are facing. So um, we are in this all-out revolt, um, and the good news is that we actually have the power to turn this around the minute we stand up with the courage of our convictions. And that is the name of the game because the current powers that be rely on two things. They rely on silence by keeping us out of the press, thanks to their friends in the corporate media, keeping us off the ballot, keeping us out of the debates. They rely on silencing political opposition. And the other thing they rely on is fear. Uh, they rely on this, these fear campaigns that we'll come back to in a minute. But it's really important for us and as just people to understand ourselves, but also for us to share with our networks and our colleagues and our communities that in fact we do have the power. In the words of Alice Walker, the biggest way people give up power is by not knowing we have it to start with. Mm -hmm. Well, we have it. And all we have to do is stand up and use it and flip that switch in our own minds from powerless to powerful and then all things become possible. So let me say how it is that, that, that this is the case. 
Number one, that we reflect the true values and visions of the American public. I learned this in a really like shocking way. The first time I was tricked into running for office, uh, <laughs> back in 2000, preparing for the 2002 governor's race, uh, where I was basically tricked by the Green Party. I was not a political person, had not been a member of any political party whatsoever. All I knew about were the Republicans and Democrats, and who wanted to have anything to do with that. So um, the Green Party basically was at run, you know, run for office. We had, we had uh, public financing, and that's a whole story in itself, uh, in my home state of Massachusetts. Anyhow, uh, I agreed to um, take up the, um, the call and run for governor against Mitt Romney and against the state treasurer. Um, we fought our way into a televised debate because even back then in 2002, people were just, you know, beating down the doors to open up the debates and make them actually meaningful instead of this new form of torture called Democratic and Republican debates. <laughs> you know, how many people actually listen to those debates? I mean, with Bernie and them, they're actually uh, interesting and there's some, you know, there's good stuff. But even so, it's really, you know, it's uh, quite a test of moral fiber to be able to listen to those debates. So it was true even back in 2002 when things weren't nearly as bad as they are now. And so there were huge crowds that were turning out to protest the governor's debates. And finally, we forced the doors open. And yes, I'm going to do that. That debate took place in a TV studio, just candidates and a moderator. And I gave voice to the usual Green Party agenda, putting our dollars into true security here at home, greening our economy, cutting the military, providing healthcare as a human right and education, and teaching to the whole student for lifetime learning, not to a standardized pen and paper test, which is actually harmful uh, to learners, particularly to challenged learners. So I just kind of said what everybody was saying around their kitchen table, for the most part, it all went over like a lead balloon inside, inside, the, inside the TV studio, you know, and I thought, oh well, you know, that's just the way things are, you know, doing due diligence here, saying what needed to be said. We walked out of the TV studio and I was mobbed by the press for the first time and the last time. <laughs> and they said to me that I had won the debate on the instant online viewer poll. One, they have never done an instant online viewer poll during the debate again. And you know, they know that they not only control access of candidates, they control the press, uh, they control the press that even gets in to cover it. They choose the moderator, which then, you know, has enormous influence over the questions. But they also choose the people who get to get into these debates. Uh, in the presidential debates. They actually choose the audience. So it's all an elaborate scheme to make you think that the, um, that the corporate reality is real. It's not real, it's a complete scam. Anyhow, the light bulb went on in my brain when I learned that we had actually won the debate You know, at a time that we were feeling like, oh, we're just odd man out, we can't possibly influence this. So you know, just by way of making the point that we have already won in the court of public opinion. Our job is to go out and organize that public opinion, knowing that we have already won. Specifically, we also have the numbers to do this. And, and I want to just take a few minutes to talk about student debt. 
because there are 43 million young people and now not so young people who are locked into predatory student loan debt without uh, an economy that allows that debt to be repaid. So these are people you don't have to work too hard to convince uh, on this issue because 43 million is a winning plurality of a presidential election. And what demographic is better suited for self-organizing on the internet and through social media? Uh, the millennials do this all the time. They've done it around the Keystone Pipeline, which we stopped. They do it around living wages. They do it around Black Lives Matter. They did it around the internet and rescued it twice, once from the Federal Communications Commission and once from Congress. In, in both of those cases, resistance was absolutely futile, you know? But they stopped it, and we stopped it, because they're good at doing this thing. So we actually have the power to mobilize a winning force. 43 million, especially if they bring out a few family members to help, we could win a two-way race, let alone the three-way race, on the power of the outrage of student debt. Um, at that, there's only one campaign one political party, one candidate that will be on the ballot. So it's not like this vote gets divided in a few places. There's only one place to put it if you want to cancel student debt. And this is the obvious, necessary, and urgent thing to do. Again, we bailed out the bankers to the tune of $16 trillion if you include the free loans. But just from the quantitative easing, which was basically canceling their debt with a magical financial removal, uh, a financial uh, uh, device that doesn't add to the budget deficit, it's not a taxpayer burden, it just gets wiped out. Uh, essentially by expanding the money supply if you want to go into the nitty gritty details of it. But this is a, this is what we've done to the banks to the tune of about four trillion dollars. So would you say it's about time we do it? So this can actually be accomplished uh, virtually on day one when we turn the White House into a greenhouse and then take back our future. We can do that on student debt. So this is actually a complete, a complete plan and I encourage you to not keep it a secret and to share this with everybody you know out there who is uh, holding student debt, um, affirming for them that we actually have the power to win this. All we need is to stand up with the courage of our convictions not only, you know, not only is this the right thing to do, but you basically have a generation right now which has been disappeared, has been disappeared from community action for the most part, you know, and, and more power to the millennials and everybody else who's carrying student debt here that manages to be here today, so I just want to give you a big thank you for standing up. part-time jobs and you know for whom it's a real challenge to engage in our community but throughout history it's always been the younger generation which is the leading edge of justice whether it was the labor movement or the flat fighting sweatshops now or black lives matter or the immigrant rights movement uh, or the or the climate change movement or the climate justice movement it is always uh, the younger generation which is leading the charge for social uh, as well as for re-envisioning what the new economy of the 21st century looks like. So this is the right thing to do, not just for people who are in debt, 
but for all of us as a society. If we are to be a whole society with a vision of the future, we need to end the debt and liberate that generation that is the way forward. Over a thousand bases 
in over 100 countries around the world, except to safeguard fossil fuel supplies and their routes of transportation. So all that becomes a thing of the past, a lot freeing up hundreds of billions of dollars a year in our annual budget. Currently, our, our budget, uh, our discretionary budget is like 54% military. The rest are just little, like, footnotes around the side of it. It's essentially a military discretionary budget. That's all it is. Um, so we can redirect that back into the Green New Deal and other things that we need, as well as the other well-kept secret about this is that an economy that's good for the planet is also really, really good for our health, for workers and for communities and for people. We save so much money in the uh, diseases tied to fossil fuels, everything from asthma to heart attacks and strokes and cancer. We save so much money in the, in, in the prevention of a major portion of those diseases that it's more than enough to actually pay the cost of the energy transition. So the Green New Deal essentially pays for itself. And specifically, that's 20 million living wage jobs so that basically everyone has a right not only to a living wage, but to a real job with a living wage. This is a win-win solution for us all. have the finance uh, in order to make happen. So that also includes uh, health care as a human right through an improved Medicare for all system, which is long overdue. We can have that now. Everybody in, nobody out. You're covered head to toe, cradle to grave, and it puts you back in charge of your health care. You and your health care provider make your decisions, and you get to choose your provider and your hospital. And you are not basically you know, given marching orders by a CEO from an insurance company and have your, your, your precious uh, dollars siphoned off for CEO profits in the insurance and pharmaceutical <laughs> Funding it fully by ensuring that, that uh, students are coming to school ready to learn. What does that mean? It means it's hard to educate kids who are sick, who don't have health care, who are walking through uh, gunfire, who don't have homes, uh, you know, who don't have an adequate diet, who are living in a, uh, you know, in, a, in a food desert. And so many of our kids are incredibly afflicted with these burdens of health and poor nutrition and poverty. So we call for all of that as part of an educational effort. And that means ending this, uh, this ridiculous fantasy of high stakes testing as an educational policy. This is an abomination. It's a, it's a travesty of education that could only have been invented by a basketball player named Arnie Duncan what did playing basketball do to qualify him to be Secretary of Education in the Obama uh, administration? I'm not sure, but between basketball, yes. Between him and <laughs> basketball and business, I think. Between him and uh, Bill Gates, you know, a computer geek who's not exactly, you know, the uh, leading edge of education policy, thinking, training. You know, this has basically designed our education system which is being uh, advanced 
by the Democratic Party, above all, who's been leading the charge to privatize our education system, to undermine <coughs> teachers and unions, uh, and to basically close and privatize schools, which is how uh, the high-stakes testing regime has been used as an excuse for closing and privatizing our schools. We need to end high-stakes testing and go back and forward, in fact, to teaching to the whole student for lifetime learning. Because this is what you know, the Arne Duncans and the Barack Obamas and you know, all the advocates of, of education uh, and charters and privatization, this is how they educate their kids, not with high-stakes testing, but by small classrooms, well-funded schools, well-funded and respected teachers who don't even use high-stakes testing, but instead who use art and music and recreation and have a very enriched and engaging curriculum. That's what it is. for the immigrants who are the, uh, at the heart and soul of our economies, our communities, and our culture, and have always been the backbone of American society. So we need to not only create a path to citizenship, but a welcoming path to citizenship. And when you look at you know, how we can fix the crisis, maybe the most overpowering uh, thing we can do to fix the immigration crisis is to stop causing it in the first place. Millions <laughs> of farmers and factory workers, for that matter, out of business through um, the war on drugs, which has killed 100,000 people in Mexico alone. And how about we start? We stop invading other countries and overthrowing them.
also endemic in our courts, in our prisons, and through the economy at large. We have a living legacy in the criminal institution of slavery via you know, lynchings, Jim Crow, uh, segregation, redlining, uh, the war on drugs, etc. So we have major work to do here, major systemic work on systemic racism, which is just kind of hardwired into our DNA. But there are a whole lot of solutions that can fix this. So in particular, we need to start with every community having a police review board. So communities can have their police. with the other hand. 
to save your life or to save the planet or to stop the wars. If we want to get out of here alive, we need to forget the lesser evil, fight for the greater good, like our lives depend on it, because in fact they do. We can have an America and a world that works for all of us. The power to create that world is not just in our hopes, it's not just in our dreams, things that will happen in Never Never Land in the far off future. It's right here and now, it's in this room, it's in our hands, we can make it so. Thank you so very much.